This is Cal Basketball here on KALX Berkeley, your Cal Sports Radio Network. This California team's coming off a 21-11 finish last year, a first-round exit in the March Madness Tournament, but nonetheless, they're still returning their stars. It's Christina Nigue, the WNBA prospect, returning to the floor. Austin working on Edie into the paint. No look past the suing who throws it down. 15 on the game clock. Long three by Aisha Thomas. She's got that one. Thomas with a pump fake, runs baseline, throws it into the corner to Cowling. Long three, boom. Five on the clock. They give it to Harris. Harris for three. No good. And California comes out victorious. Hello and welcome to the first ever podcast-only episode of Bear Talk, the show where we talk all things Cal sports right here from 90.7 FM KALX Berkeley. It's great to have you with us here on Tuesday, January 15th. My name is Sam Wiseman. As we get set to talk all things Cal women's basketball, we have an exclusive interview with Cal head coach Lindsey Gottlieb coming up in just a few minutes here on Bear Talk, where we'll talk all about the last week in Arizona, a tough weekend for California, as well as all things coming up this coming weekend as the Washington schools come to town. We have a great show lined up for you here today, and we will maybe sprinkle in a little bit of Cal men's basketball, although a little bit painful to talk about that subject at the moment. Cal women's basketball, at least there is some hope remaining. As once again here on Bear Talk, it's Cal Women's Basketball. In this online podcast-only episode, you can catch Bear Talk normally at 9 p.m. Pacific time from 9 to 9.30 on 90.7 FM KALX Berkeley, streaming online worldwide at calx.berkeley.edu and on the TuneIn app. But here we have the podcast episode now available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts along with eight other different podcasting services. So how about that? Let's dive right in as Cal coming back from back-to-back losses against the Arizona schools has a lot of catching up to do. This Cal women's team starts off 9-0. and They then drop four of their last five, or rather five of the last six, including that UConn game. And we'll talk to uh, Lindsey Gottlieb later about this, but changing the narrative is going to be a big focus this coming weekend, mainly because of what happened in Arizona. Coming into this past weekend, Cal drops a game to Connecticut. That was expected. They drop a game to Harvard, less expected. A game to Harvard that, by the way, they had a lead-in with just 57 57 seconds left to go. They then go and drop their Pac-12 conference opener to UCLA. That's excusable and uh, an overtime emotional loss. They go and beat USC, but then back-to-back losses at the Arizona schools, and it's starting to look like more of a negative trend for this California Golden Bears women's basketball team. So, let's take a look at those two games. Cal opened up their weekend first Pac-12 road trip of the year in Arizona. They drop it by they drop that game by a final of 60 to 55, and it really wasn't that bad, and that's kind of been the theme with all these losses. Not that bad. Cal has led in every single one of those losses. They have either had the lead or been tied in the final minute of regulation in every game except the Connecticut game of all the games they've lost. So the last four losses, they have either led or been tied in the final minute of regulation. That UCLA game, they led with just seven seconds left before they were sent to overtime on a free throw. 
But just looking at this Arizona game, the exact same story all over again. Ari McDonald with 36 points for Arizona, but that really wasn't what did the Bears in. They led with, or rather were tied at 53 with 58 seconds left to go in a game where the final was 60-55. to 55. Arizona didn't score a field goal in the last four minutes and 21 seconds, but they still were able to score seven points in the final seconds to come out on top. And Erin McDonald on free throws basically won that game. She went nine for 11 on free throws. And those free throws in the final minute were just killer for the Bears. Seven free throws all for McDonald as Cal just had to keep fouling uh, after they went down by a couple of points with 58 seconds left. So... Taking a look at the statistics, California at Arizona was led by, of course, Christina Nigue, who in that game had her 14th consecutive double-double to start this year. It was her 15th consecutive overall, I believe. 19 points, 20 rebounds. She had 12 defensive boards, 8 offensive boards. Christina Nigue continues to be an absolute monster for the Golden Bears. Rasay Caldwell had 13 points as well. But once again, Ari McDonald with 36 led all scorers. And you add that to Kate Reese, who had 10, the freshman for Arizona. And it was just too much for the Bears to overcome. Bears actually started out, you know, okay for California. They went cold at the end of the first quarter, as they always do at some point in the first quarter. Slow starting team has really been the name of the game for Cal. They were now 19-13 to at the end of the first quarter. But in the second quarter, only scored nine points. Really couldn't make a shot. Got hot again in the third quarter, but just tailed off and... Arizona, with those free throws, was an, enough to knock Cal off. Arizona actually led by five at the end of the third quarter. At halftime, Arizona led by 11 points. So it was a job by Cal even to get back into the game at that point. There were a couple of possessions down the stretch where Cal could have taken the lead. There was a possession with 58 seconds left. When the Bears had tied it up at 53, the Bears actually got possession with the tie game. And... Uh, get, they got the ball to Asia Thomas, who had a pretty good look from three. She could have taken a, a either a three or a mid-range jumper in a possession coming down the right side of the court in the final seconds, but she did, decided not to take it, decided to try to go in for a layup, ends up getting the ball stolen, and that was a story in and of itself, as the Bears had the ball taken away 18 times, and they got only six takeaways off of Arizona in that game on Friday. That turnover margin of negative 12 is not only the worst of Pac-12 play this year, it is the worst by a California team this entire season. A minus 12 is the highest absolute turnover differential between Cal and an opponent this entire year. So Cal has not taken advantage of an opponent by as many as 12 takeaways in a game either. 18-6, to six, the final turnover margin. Arizona with, four, with uh, four more points off turnovers than the Golden Bears, so a little bit of, little bit of a, an advantage there as far as denying the points after those 18 turnovers. But still, you can't turn the ball over 18 times, and especially in such a crucial situation as that final possession, or really possession with a minute left with Asia Thomas and expect to, you know, come out on top or even get that lead going into the final seconds. And really, throughout those these these four losses, and even the loss against, uh, loss to UConn, it hasn't even been taking the lead that's that's been the issue in the in the final seconds. It's been maintaining the lead and just closing out games. Because Cal has managed to get the lead in three of these losses. They've given it up almost immediately every time. They Their MO is their not hot in the first half at all. Amazing third quarter, outscoring their opponents by over 100 points in the third quarter so far this year. 
but then in the fourth quarter, maintaining a lead just until those final couple minutes, and sometimes not com- not even coming into the quarter uh, with a lead at all. And and so you have those turnover difficulties at Arizona. Cal did out-rebound Arizona, although that was to be expected. Christina Nigue usually going to be the tallest player on the floor uh, against most teams, the exception probably of you know the Oregon teams and and a, and a couple others. Arizona women's basketball, not the same as Arizona men's basketball as far as recruiting goes, but Arizona able to get it done over Cal 60-55, to 55, the final score, and boy, just a, a rough one for Cal, who at that time had uh, just beaten USC, and they were trying to get back-to-back wins there against an Arizona team that was unranked, and, and Cal was number 24 this past week. And, and so that upset really put uh, put all of Cal's hopes into the Arizona State game, which did not go much better. In fact, it, almost the, it followed almost the exact same script. If Cal wanted to remain ranked this week, which, surprise, surprise, rankings came out, in the AP poll, Cal's unranked for the first time since the very beginning of this season. Uh, but if Cal wanted to have a chance, they would have to go to Arizona State and uh, manufacture something. They were not able to do that really at all as, as we look to the, that Sun Devil game. Arizona State ranked number 19 in the country uh, as of Sunday when uh, they played California. Cal was number 24, so it was a top 25 matchup. Aired on the illustrious Pac-12 networks. Boy, uh, was that, a, was that a fun watch? Sad that we can't cover away games here at, at, at Cal X Berkeley, but it's always something in the works. We uh, It's, it's always, always a hope for us. As it is currently your only source for California women's basketball, but you wouldn't know it. As of Sunday, when Arizona State, by the slimmest of margins, ousted California, 62-61 to was the final score, and... Oh boy, just the, the missed opportunities in this game alone were... were Oh boy, a little bit ridiculous. It was uh, it, it was the same story in a lot of ways, but in some other ways, kind of a, f- a flip script. Let's start with the similarities uh, between the Arizona State game and the Arizona game, and, and really all the uh, all the losses that this Cal team has kind of unexpectedly experienced over these past few weeks. First of all, you have uh, Arizona State basically fighting for their lives and winning the game on free throws. Uh, they did not score a basket from the floor in the last seven minutes and two seconds of that game. Seven minutes, seven plus minutes, they did not score from the floor, and they still won 62-61. to To put that in perspective, I think the longest scoring drought that Cal has had in minutes this year was six minutes, and that was a, a couple of weeks ago. But a, a seven-minute scoring drought... To end this, to end the game, uh, no less from the floor. Cal didn't score a basket from the floor for the last four minutes, almost, as both teams just went cold. Cal was one of their last nine shooting attempts. ASU was one of their last eight. And oh boy, 62-61 the final. You just take a look at the fourth quarter, and the Bears had a, a chance with 4.6 seconds left. They were down one with possession. They had the ball from their own baseline. They had the inbound. Uh, they had Mackenzie Forbes pass up to Christina Nigue, who at the end could not make that final free throw, or excuse me, that final basket. It's Christina Nigue who also uh, clunked out that uh, free throw, I believe, at the very end of the game. is Anigwe uh, who... Missed the layup. Asia Thomas got the rebound. She missed uh, a jumper that really did not have a chance of going in. And I think it uh, might have been waved off anyway at the end. 
uh, wasn't too clear at the end of that one. But, oh boy, with 4.6 seconds left in a tie ball game, Cal ends up going down by one on a free throw by Riley Richardson, who... Uh, uh, oh boy, that's that's just—it's a tough thing to go down to to a player who ends up with six total points uh, and and scored four of them from from the line. But let's talk about from the line. Uh, a couple of differences uh, between this normally for Cal and, uh, and and what happened in the Arizona State game. Christina Nigue willed the Bears back into that game from the free throw line. Eleven for twelve from the line—that's her highest free throw percentage mark in a single game where. Uh, she shot at least eight free throws this year, 11 for 12. She shot only 5 of 17 from the floor. She goes for 21 points, 16 rebounds, another double-double this time, her 15th, or rather 16th consecutive to start the season uh, and uh, 17th stretching back to the end of last year. She's getting close to the Pac-12. Uh, Pac-12 record, I think, is 33, which she can break this season if she double-doubles in every single game for the rest of the season. Uh, I, I believe, and the Bears would have to make it into the tournament for that to happen, uh, for her to tie the record. But second place is, I think, 21 double-doubles, consecutive double-doubles. Uh, the national record is completely out of reach. The national record is like 126. That was set by uh, some uh, Midwest player uh, a couple of years ago. But the current uh, Pac-12 record was set by an Oregon player uh, in the early 2000s. So... 21 is the next mark that Christina Nigoy is looking for. She's also now uh, in second place all time for Cal with 175 career blocks. She passed Ashley Walker on the career blocks list. Uh, she goes for 200. 200 would be a, a tie for the school record. So she's on a pace to at least tie that record this season, we hope. Uh, she matched her career with seven blocks against Arizona. That game where she was... Uh, really everywhere except uh, as, as far as shooting from the floor went. She made only five shots in that game as well. But the Arizona State game, 5 for 17 from the floor, 11 for 12 from the free throw line. And those free throws were really what kept the Bears in the game in that fourth quarter. The Bears in the fourth quarter uh, only made a couple of shots. Mackenzie Forbes uh, made a, a three, Christina Nigue a couple of layups, but four free throws in those 10 minutes for Christina Nigue kept the Bears in it as just uh, huge uh, uh, numbers of possession exchanges as they uh, headed down the stretch in that one. In fact, uh, in the Arizona State game, the number of lead changes was also excessive. It was the, uh, the most lead changes of any game this year uh, for a Cal team. And it was really a, a great game, 18 lead changes, uh, something to watch there, especially going into the fourth quarter, most lead changes in the single half as well for that Cal women's team. But they come out with a loss, 62-61 Arizona State on a free throw by Riley Richardson, the guard. Uh, and uh, I think Cal kind of left speechless after dropping five of six to uh, to both non-conference and conference competition. It's been a rough stretch. There's no doubt about it. As uh, once again, you're listening to Bear Talk here. My name is Sam Wiseman. As we get set to hear from Cal head coach Lindsey Godley, promised our exclusive interview. We will talk all things Arizona and talk a couple of things 
We're going to talk a couple things about Jim Knowlton, the new Cal Athletic Director, so we look forward to that. We actually have some news about Jim Knowlton that we're going to talk about after the... Uh, the new uh, after this interview here, and uh, we'll reprise on the Wednesday, January 16th, regular edition of Bear Talk at 9 p.m. Pacific time on CalX Berkeley. But we'll go over that right after this interview with head coach Lindsey Gottlieb. Let's take a listen. I'm joined by Cal women's basketball head coach Lindsey Gottlieb here, just back from the first Pac 12 road trip of the year at Arizona. It was a tough road trip. Thanks for joining us today, Coach Gottlieb. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, there have been brighter uh, brighter days coming back off the road, but that's college athletics and got to, um, you know, just dig ourselves out of a little bit of a hole that we've that we've gotten into. And uh, girls were great today in practice, and that's what we plan to do. Uh, you talk about coming back from a little bit of a hole, but really dropping five of six, all, all five of those games except for really the UConn game were within one possession within the last minute of regulation. I mean, with the exception of just UConn, I think. Sure. So what yep. what have you seen that late in games has uh, that has really been the issue? Because it, it really seems like doing really well in the third quarter, getting tied, getting ahead, especially against ASU, against Arizona, and then just by one or two possessions uh, at the very end are on free throws. Uh, sure. I would say, um, so yeah, to kind of reiterate what you said, uh, a, a in four of our losses, we've had the lead or been tied with a minute to go. So the, the easy thing that is consistent throughout is that uh, we need to be able to get a stop down the stretch, right? Because if we're, if we're tied or, or, or in the lead, um, you, know, you close out the game with stops and you win the game. So that would be the, the I think, consistent narrative uh, amongst all four losses. Um, sprinkled in there, right? We've also had, even when giving up baskets, you know, having the lead, We've had chances to score again, and we've had some situations in which we got the look we wanted and a shot didn't go down, and other situations which we didn't get a good enough look. Um, so that's on me. That's on us to know what we're looking for um, when we do have the ball and a chance to win the game. Uh, and it's on you know making sure the players have an understanding so that they're able to make a play. I would say, you know more broadly speaking, there have been some games in which... we we weren't sharp enough early in the game and you know got ourselves into a... 12, 14 point deficit. And then obviously positive things to be able to come back, you know, but um, there are a couple of those games which one or two possessions shouldn't matter so much. If, you, if you've done the work the entire way and you've built it, you know, again, take the USC game, you know, Mariah Moore gets super hot, goes for 36 points, is banking or, you know, shooting 30 foot threes. Well, it doesn't matter because we've been more than one or two or three possessions better than, than the whole game. I would say in the UCLA and Arizona games, we, we needed to do a better job in the first half so that we weren't playing catch up in the second half. ASU, I think we did a really nice job of playing a full 40 minutes against a tough team and just came up uh, one possession short. You mentioned uh, getting a late game stop. After the UCLA loss, you mentioned the late game management was something that you thought you needed to work on. you think that that's improved over the past three games since then, or is that still a point uh, of emphasis for you as a, as a coaching staff? Well, we've lost all four, so it's not good enough. Um, I think, you know, in Arizona State, in the possession with 4.6 seconds left, we we got exactly what we wanted. Um, you know, Mackenzie Forbes made one heck of a pass. Um, you know, got a, a, a look right around the rim for Christine. She doesn't miss a lot of layups, you know, without getting hit. So maybe there was some contact there. Um, but I think if we ran, you know, the same action, had the same situation again, we'd be happy to get that look. Uh, 
the possession before with 57 seconds left where we didn't get a shot off. Um, you know, I thought we were clear with what we wanted. There was a quick, you know, looking for a quick quick two to try and get the, you know, a two for one. Yeah. Um, so we gave the kids one look. We didn't end up making the pass there. Maybe there was a little pressure on the ball. Into a second look uh, that put the, the ball in AT's hands. Um, you know, she passed up a shot that, that, that uh, maybe, you know, in retrospect, she, she would have taken if I had again. But I, I think our management was okay, but the outcomes weren't good. You know, we didn't, we didn't get a shot off in that situation, and we didn't make the second shot. So I thought there was a little bit of improvement there. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, against, um, you know, UCLA and, and, and Arizona, we were, we were down and put ourselves in situations to take a lead. Once we take a lead, you just got to be able to get a stop. And McDonald from Arizona was tough to stop. I think once we took the lead, she you know she got downhill and got fouled. Um, so I, I think a lot of that comes from you know our defensive ability to be able to uh, to limit good teams. Um, every every t team in this league has one, if not two, you know incredible go-to players. And so you want to put yourself in a situation where one possession doesn't matter that much. But if it does, you know we got we have to be able to get a stop. On the offensive side of things, really aggressive defense from ASU last week and. Just with the changing defenses and looks you're seeing around the Pac-12, is that as much of an issue, or how does that compare to the offensive changes around the Pac-12? You talk about uh, having all these go-to players. How is that yeah. on the other side of things? Right. I mean, I, I think the league is um, full of incredibly good coaches with very different schemes that people do well. So, you know, our league always talks about when we get to the NCAA tournament, you know, we're not facing something we've never faced before, you know, um, We've had situations in the NCAA tournament where we've watched, you know, top 10 teams struggle against Stanford's double teams in the post. We've, we've, we see that, you know. They struggle against Oregon State's, you know, the low percentage shots they give you or struggle against Arizona State's pressure. So in our league, we see a number of different defenses. I actually thought, you know, coming off of really not handling UCLA's pressure very well, um, not doing a great job in the first half against Arizona. I, I thought our ability to handle ASU's physicality was not bad. You know, Christine didn't score for the first quarter and a half, and we had other people make plays because they were trying to take her away. Then, you know, didn't turn the ball over too much, and we got it where it needed, you know, to her in the second half. So I thought Mackenzie Forbes handled, you know, ASU's pressure better than most freshmen that we see. Some people do, you know, a, need a, a little bit of a gut check when you first face it. So. There were some things we did well in handling their defense. Um, and so I think that's a good sign going forward that if we can continue to handle pressure defense as well, we will be better in, in the, 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 the latter half of conference. Um, but there's other types of defenses coming when we, when we face, you know, Washington State, Washington, and then the Oregon, Stanford, right? So we got to be ready for any type of defense. Uh, I want to shift gears a little bit. You talked at the end of last season about how you're waiting for the NCAA tournament bids to come out. You're a bubble team at the end of last year. Heavy conference schedule going forward. What is it going to take to, to at this point, not be a, a bubble team? Yep, got to win win the games in front of us. Um, you know, the league is so good that, that at this point we have, we have to win the games we're supposed to win. You know, we, we, we have to beat Washington State on Friday. You know, we got to win the games we're supposed to win. And then we have to beat some teams that are high RPI teams in front of us. You know, we have two chances with Stanford. We've got, you know, the Oregons. We have ASU again. You know, Utah's now, I don't know if they're in the top 25 today or they're creeping around the top 25. Like, there's plenty of opportunities for big wins. You know, big wins get you in the tournament, right? Get you good seeds in the tournament. Um, so we have to take advantage of some of the opportunities for, for big quality wins, and we have to minimize, you know, 
losses that, you know, against teams we're supposed to win. That being said, in this conference, they're not really a bad loss because everyone's so good. This is an 8-bid league. It really could be an 8-bid league. We're into Pac-12 play in the first year under a new athletic director, uh, Jim Knowlton, and you were on the search committee for the new director. How has the transition been for you uh, working under someone new? Because you were here when Mike Williams came on. This is, this is your eighth season, not your first time doing this. Has it been any different is, or just really steady steady hand type, uh, type deal from last season to this one? Uh, I, I mean, I think there's no question. There's a different, you know, feel with a new dynamic, you know, leader. Um, you know, I was hired by Sandy Barber, uh, and and the transition to Mike was unique because going from Sandy, who I who I was used to, to someone brand new with a different style, was a little bit of an adjustment. And now, you know, with Jim coming on, thing, things are a little bit different. I would say it's it's all incredibly positive. Um, he's coming with a ton of energy. Um, and, and, and the man, you know, lives and breathes Cal Athletics in this job. You know, he's working nonstop. Um, in a short time, I think he's made himself really familiar with all the different coaches and the programs. You know, he uh, he's either at our games or, or texts or emails around our game if he can't be there. So I, I do feel like he's his presence with our with our players and with me and our team is, is really there. But more importantly for the entire department, um, you know, he's energized everybody as, as, as someone new, you know, can often do. And um, I, I think it's been really positive. As a head coach and a coaching staff, uh, you still have to recruit during the middle of all this. What does that schedule look for you, look like for you in the, in the middle of a, of a season? Yeah, well, today, for example, um, you know, we moved practice earlier, which I have flexibility to do because of, you know, winter break, uh, so that both of uh, two of my assistants could you know, jump on flights to, to SoCal and not miss practice and not miss practice tomorrow, right? That's the nice thing about, you know, our access to, to top players, you know, nearby. Um, you know, uh, I'll be out next uh, off day that we have next Monday. You know, people are coming and going. So we usually try to be very strategic and manage it around, um, you know, I split the scouts up amongst the staff. I watch film on everybody and split the scouts you know, by thirds. So whoever doesn't have the scout that weekend is usually going out, you know, at least one day that week. Um, you know, I, I see people in the locale that we're going to or when I can get out. But, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fine line. You want the players, um, you know, on the team right now to know that they are the priority and to get the best of us, which they do. And at the same time, you need to continue to text, call, be on the road, you know, during the season where we can. So it's pretty busy. Talking about recruiting, Washington State comes to town on Friday, 11.30 a.m. game, and their roster is, is I think, one of the most diverse in the Pac-12. Six international players and, and three from Hawaii. Can you talk about? I know it's the first season for Cami Etheridge, but uh, yeah. about what she's been able to do up there this season. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing the game, it'll be a challenge to say Rostova and Kostrakova yes, and Molina, yes. Molina, and Molina. That's an interesting, <laughs> an interesting uh, name game there. Um, so you know, Cami inherited uh, the team. You know, from from June and June and her staff did a ton of international recruiting. I think everyone has to kind of find their niche, and I think when you're in Pullman, you might not. Be able to rely on your, you know, your home state yep. for every, you know, kid the way that a California, you know, might. Um, and so, uh, the international game is is a, a real fertile, you know, area for people to go. Uh, and Hawaii, that's where they spent their time. Um, I don't know what Cami will do, you know, in, in, in terms of the direction, but uh, there's no question they have a terrific scorer in um, Rostova. Uh, she from Bulgaria, I think. I forget where she's from. Uh, I think she's from Bulgaria. Um, so. Um, her game has translated well, let's say that. You know, she's averaging 22 points a game. Um, and then they've got, um, you know, Molina from Hawaii, who's terrific with inner two sisters. So um, they have three kids who, who are really deadly scoring the ball. Rostova, Molina, and Swedeland, who's a great shooter. 
um, and then they have you know some some solid role players around, and they're just they're scary. They're scary because they can put up points, and we're gonna have to to really defend them. Yeah, Rostov is from Varna, Bulgaria. I can't say I've ever been there, but you know, right. must be, must be a nice place. Right. <laughs> the uh, they played uh, St. Mary's pretty close uh, the very beginning of this year. They beat yeah. Nebraska in two overtimes, and last week, although no Kennedy Leonard, they beat CU by 25, 26 points. Yeah. Uh, so as far as as far as game breakdowns, first of all, I gotta want to ask, how far back do you go when you look at game film? Because I know. For football, they look at the past four games for yeah. for different uh, different schools it varies. And second of all, with that game breakdown, you talk about their uh, high scores. Uh, any other unique characteristics, defense, anything like that? For sure. So in terms of film, um, so an assistant will have the scout and will be a, a couple days ahead of me. So uh, you know, I'll I'll start Washington State typically on the Monday after we just played ASU. So it's, you know, Dale, Coach Dale's scout. He'll have been watching you know, for the week, you know, or he had Arizona. So as soon as Arizona ended, he starts watching. So he's a couple days ahead of me, and he'll say, hey, maybe start with this or this or that. But I would say typically, yeah, we're going to watch the most recent three or four games. But then depending on style, I might watch more or, or go back and find, you know, someone else they played that's more like us. So, for example, they played Northridge way back. I'll probably watch that game because Northridge has a has a dominant post and say, okay, are they did they double um, you know, Fluker from Northridge because it'll even though I haven't seen them double post players, will they double you know Christine yeah. or um, you know I may not watch their game against Washington you know maybe as closely as I would something else because Washington's in the zone the whole game and I won't see as many man sets or what have you right so you have to. We'll watch at least three or four full games, but I'll also sprinkle in, you know, s some looks and things that, that that might help me. You know, every once in a while I won't watch someone against ASU because people put in different sets to handle ASU's pressure that might not be what they're going to run. It's always helpful for us in the second game uh, to see the Stanford game the two nights before because you get a sense of what Stanford's doing. Not that we do the same things, but you know what they're trying to do and what worked and what didn't work. So that's how this kind of scouting process works. And, you know, obviously we have things that are our go-to you know, schemes that, that will adjust and um, a little bit. Then I would say, um, I would say in addition to just Rostova being a big score, it's their streaky nature. Um, so Molina's incredibly talented and, and streaky. Um, and, and Tweedland, I mean, she's shooting an incredibly high, she's shooting like 46% from three, but it kind of comes in waves. So you mentioned some of their good games. I mean, I'm even watching, they, they were in a huge deficit to Utah and came all the way back and lost by four. So, you know, they got down 20, but they can catch up quickly um you know you mentioned you know beating nebraska in double overtime so uh, they're capable um you know they're, they're they're capable of getting hot and we have to make sure that we're um scoring the ball um and and in a position where you know we're consistently taking away their easy looks finally as we head into this weekend against the washington schools there's four games now who are against unranked teams although that's not really a metric of you know the quality of play in the, in the conference. Yeah. But then you run up against four straight games with ranked teams, including the home-and-home home with Stanford. So, so do, are these four games here, are these more of a, a breather or a, a chance to really ramp up your your play or pace or quality of play as you go into those those four games next month? Yeah, I would say there's no... I really don't feel like there's any such thing as a breather in this league, and certainly not in the position that we've put ourselves in, right? Like, if there's any chance for, you know... 
to have a home weekend against two unranked teams feel a certain way. It's it's not now. You know, we we feel you know the urgency to 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 act. You know, as if you know Washington State is the game in front of us that we need to win. We haven't won a game, you know, two games in a row in a while. You know, so so there's an urgency on that. Then I would say the trip to the mountains is never easy. I don't care what the ranking is. You know, you're going to Colorado, you're going to Utah. It's not easy, and I do believe Utah will probably be ranked. You know, if they take care of business and beat Colorado this week, and other people lose, you know, they could they could be ranked. So. Uh, we're looking at the, these four as a quadrant that, you know, it's a chance to change our narrative. It's a chance to take control of our, you know, uh, you know, month of January. And that's, that's what we need to do. That's how we see that. Then when, you know, the Stanford and, and Oregon, you know, weeks back to back come on, you know, hope, hope we're confident and in, in a good place at that point to take our shot against those teams. This Friday, 11.30 a.m. against Washington State, the fifth annual Schoolhouse Haas game, which is as I remember, last year was a big success. A lot of a lot of kids yeah. uh, coming, so we're excited for that. You can yeah. catch that game right here on KALX Berkeley, and only on KALX Berkeley because it's uh, such an early game. So, thanks for joining us today, Coach Gottlieb, and uh, good luck against Washington State. Thanks so much. Big thanks to Lindsey Gottlieb for sitting down with us. As oh boy heard at the beginning a lot about that tough trip to Arizona, but looking ahead to Washington State and Washington this coming weekend. Both of those games right here on 90.7 FM KALX Berkeley here on the Bear Talk podcast. We'll have a couple of excerpts from that interview on the regularly scheduled edition of Bear Talk on Wednesday, January 16th. Hope you Tune in for that one and for the Washington State game. Once again, 11.30 a.m. Pacific time. Coverage tips off at 11.25 a.m. right here on CalEx Berkeley. Our only source for California Golden Bears women's basketball. So let's hash out a couple of things that we talked about with Coach Gottlieb. Talked about getting that stop, first of all, uh, in those losses. Once again, we head back to that Five of six games dropped by this Cal women's basketball team, which was projected to finish fourth in the Pac-12. You talk about Lindsey Gottlieb. Be, uh, uh, you talk about the Pac-12 being perhaps an eight-bid league, but that those eight bids might be a, a little bit of, of hope for Cal at this point. Sad though that may be, uh, just because of the way that the Bears have played to this point. You heard Coach Gottlieb talk about changing the narrative. Sixty to fifty-five loss to Arizona. Sixty-two to sixty-one loss to Arizona State, and really, uh, I think Coach Gottlieb was really emphasizing the the importance of getting a stop. And that importance of getting the stop has been something that's been really elusive for California. You look at the USC game, that was really the only game this year, one of the only games aside from, you know, St. Mary's and maybe Houston, where the Bears were able to conclusively get a stop. Arizona State really got the kind of stop that the Bears were looking for in the uh, in the Sunday game. Because you know, and that Arizona State game was really one of the one of the few games where where the Bears really in, in a clean game of basketball I think got got well and truly beat almost at their own game as far as that late game management goes. But late game management something the Bears need to improve on as far as getting that stop. Couple of shots that don't fall and the Bears are are really of a completely different record. They're ten and five right now. They could easily easily be thirteen and two. Uh, really more realistically, probably 12-3 and three is, is a more accurate mark for, for just, you know, a couple of things going the Bears' way. But part of it is also that hole that the Bears are, are digging themselves into in the first half of almost every game, which is, you know, the, either being tied or being down at halftime. And then, you know, we talked to Christina Nigue a couple of weeks ago, and 
uh, we'll see if we can pull a quote here. But I believe the quote was, Coach Gottlieb just comes out with a, a really good halftime speech, and we realize that we don't want to lose, which is how Christine says it. And you know there's no one more disappointed than, than Coach Gottlieb and, and Christine Inigwe, whose senior season it, this is, and who's really last chance this is, uh, to uh, to go out and make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, and it's probably going to be the last good chance for Cal in the next couple of years. Uh, and you know, speaking of in the in the next couple of years, we talked a little bit about the recruiting schedule with Coach Gottlieb. As far as the recruiting goes, there really isn't a lot that Coach Gottlieb can can say as far as players that are being pursued for California. But it's not looking great, at least so far, with the early signing period. A couple of signees for this Cal team. Uh, as far as the makeup over the next couple of years of this Cal team, it's uh, I wouldn't say it's to the point of looking dicey, but at least for this Cal women's team, there's going to be a big, big struggle in the absence of Christine Inigwe. and there, There's going to be a, a, a definite drop uh, with both the point guard in Asia Thomas and the big in Christine Inigwe leaving in the absence of a really dominant big over the next couple of years. Because... Well, let's take a look at the roster. We'll take a look at the roster and the recruiting for this Cal uh, Golden Bears women's team. First of all, you have uh, Aisha Thomas, Christina Nigue uh, leaving. Easily the two most valuable players this year uh, taking off. Christina Nigue definitely for a first-round pick in the WNBA, if not top five or even top three pick. It's it's not uh, out of the question. Seen Pac-12 players go in the top five uh, over the past couple of years, pretty frequently. And Christina Nigue, the leading rebounder in the nation right now, currently averaging just over 14 rebounds a game, uh, is also in the top 10 in points per game. Uh, she's averaging, I uh, believe, just above 20 points per game right now as well. And even though the Bears faced a couple of those top 10 uh, scorers in the nation this past week at Arizona and Ari McDonald and at Arizona State, uh, Christine Nigue definitely dominant in the pack uh, as far as uh, metrics go. But as far as the uh, the roster makeup, these uh, next couple of years for the Cal Golden Bears women's team, it's been a, been a g- great career for Christine Nigue and Asia Thomas. And you just look at the record books uh, for the number of records for this women's team that have been set just in the past few years by Asia Thomas and Christina Digway. And, you know, as compared to some of the other sports, Cal football, Cal men's basketball, it's really hard to find uh, a lot of these records that are being held by uh, people who are not from this era of Cal basketball. This this year, really, perhaps one of the last years of the, I'll say golden age of, of Cal basketball. But as far as the roster goes... Uh, Anigwe and Thomas are leaving. The bigs that are going to be remaining, there really weren't too many bigs uh, on this Cal team to begin with. You have C.J. West and Jalen Brown, who are juniors this year. They're going to be seniors next year. And so so that's great in and of itself for Say Caldwell in this, her last year of eligibility as a grad transfer. Uh, she's going to be gone. She's not really a big. But C.J. West is going to be here one more year. So is Jalen Brown. But looking past that... There are no big players, really, on this team other than Alasia Styles, who are going to be uh, here past then. Chen Yua will be here for the next... She has two more years of eligibility, even though she's a junior this year. She redshirted uh, uh, last year, rather, I guess, two years ago now, uh, the 6'7 center from Beijing. So she'll be here, but she hasn't shown too much on the court so far. Only a couple career points 
as a Golden Bear. She'll probably take on a little bit more responsibility but uh, next year, but most of the uh, responsibility falling to Jalen Brown, uh, Alasia Styles, and C.J. West next year, then just Alasia Styles uh, the year after that as far as bigs go because the sophomores and freshmen on this team, there's Kiana Smith, who's going to be the point guard. There's Alasia Styles, who's 6'3", out of San Diego. She's a, she's been a, she's a pretty big uh, influence last year as a freshman, less so kind of this year with the the advent of, you know, Rissé Caldwell and a couple of different sets that Cal's playing. Mackenzie Forbes at guard is going to be great. She's a freshman. Uh, Sarah Anastasieska is still out this year. It was actually her birthday this past week. She's still out this year uh, with, uh, with, uh, with back issues, and she, uh, she has not played at all this year. Hopefully she'll get another uh, season of eligibility. You have uh, Michael Caton, who's a redshirt sophomore. Bears are hoping she'll get a second extra year of eligibility with her second season-ending injury that happened just last month. You have Archer Olsen as well uh, as Sierra Ritchie. And Archer Olsen, a sophomore, Sierra Ritchie, a freshman. Both of them have just seen a really token playing time. Although, I'd say Archer Olsen is kind of my, my dark horse pick to be really, really good next year as a guard. Of course, we're going to see Mackenzie Forbes, who's been a machine from three this year. Shots from the corner, absolutely something to come watch at Haas Pavilion. But, uh, you know, grandfather and father, both Harlem Globetrotters for Mackenzie Forbes. But past that, yeah, Archer Olsen, a big sleeper for for having a, a great season next year or the year after in her junior or senior season. But really, names don't stand out as far as really big players. Because you talk about play, just players over six feet. On the team this year, Christina Nigue, C.J. West, uh, Jalen Brown. All three are leaving. The only other player who's over, who's six feet or over, uh, is Alasia Styles at six three. Chen Yua at six seven. Then you have Mackenzie Forbes and Keanu Smith, who are both just six feet. So, the future of this program are Smith, Forbes, and Styles, as well as Archer Olson, really. But there's no one really down low in the post. That has been since. Christine Nigway got here now in the fourth year of really that style of play, of playing big down low. And, you know, you heard from Coach Gottlieb, uh, really that's what most teams are focused around at this point, are game planning for Christine Nigway. So while the Bears are going to have a different different look, it's not necessarily uh, going to be a better look. And, you know, the Bears in real danger this year of, not only just not being uh, just being a bubble team, but uh, but perhaps if things continue to go the way they are right now, which I don't expect, if things continue to go the way they are, which is a very low likelihood that the Bears don't turn this around at this point, uh, there is a, a chance that the Bears won't even make it to the NCAA tournament, which uh, which would be rough. And as it stands right now, if the Bears you know make the turnaround, I currently see. A, uh, a a bubble team situation, much like last year, where the Bears were a nine seed, they made it to the second round, were knocked out by Baylor, who uh, this this week are tied for a for an AP number two in the nation after beating Connecticut, and that's something that uh, uh, we haven't really talked about too much. But UConn, after playing California, the the week after that, the very next game, they went out and played Baylor and got beat for the first time in a, in a regular season non-conference game since 2014 at Stanford. The 126 consecutive wins for Connecticut in non-conference play in the regular season. But uh, Baylor ends up taking it out on 
Connecticut Baylor, a really big team, actually outscored UConn 52 to 10 in the paint. And uh, so there's something to be said for Cal kind of uh, taking a, taking a lot out of that Connecticut team. Connecticut, of course, had come from a tough game at Oklahoma as well coming into Cal, and that was a factor in making the Cal game so close. 76-66 was the final there. That was the, the first loss of the season for California. That uh, that UConn game as well, you, you know, kind of hindsight 2020, scheduling that game where it was looked like a really great scheduling uh place in the schedule to put the UConn game at this point with Cal having gone on kind of a uh, kind of a, a downward I won't say spiral yet but a downward trend after that UConn game dropping five of six it, it doesn't look right now as if it was the best time to uh, to uh, schedule that game for but yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm not gonna say it wasn't a good time to schedule the game but just the, the timing of that game it is you know late in the non-conference season. Uh, that's good. Much better than earlier this year when, or rather last year, last season, when Cal ended up playing playing them in their, their first true road game of the entire season. Kiana Smith is a freshman point, really her first major, college, major game on ESPN. She's kind of deer in the headlights, kind of seemed that way for the entire team. Bears a little bit more prepared this year, and I think that Coach Gottlieb really got the best deal she could with Christina Nigue and Asia Thomas with playing UConn at the latest point she could in the season. It's just unfortunate that perhaps that UConn game might have sparked this this downward trend with the Bears not being able to close out games. Because if you, if you remember that UConn game, the Bears were within one possession with a couple minutes to go, if not for an Asia Thomas a three on a, on a, a missed three on a fast break, it, it would have been a tie game and might have gone a different way. As it was, it was a 10-point loss because it, it ended up being a six-point swing. It went the other way, and the Bears ended up having to foul a few times, and that that's really where those extra points came from. But <clears throat> as far as the UConn game went, pretty good showing, but Cal dropping five of six, not... Uh, not the best, but let's talk about let's talk about Cal recruiting because we're talking about what this Cal team is going to look like. We talked a little bit with Coach Gottlieb about what their schedule looks like. With you know, it's always hectic. See this in Cal football, especially uh, right after the season ends. Uh, coaches just getting on flights, and it was tough with the Stanford game because a lot of coaches had to go leave uh, with the rescheduled Stanford uh, big game this year. They had pre-scheduled recruiting trips. Uh, out to different areas of the country, and those tickets were already booked. They had to go for the the first couple of days of, of big game week, and they weren't able to be there for uh, game prep. But that's a, I'll, I'll forgive that because it led to the, the Cheez It Bowl, my favorite college football game uh, of all time. So uh, let's talk Cal women's basketball recruiting just for a second. Two signees on early signing day Lauren Fields uh, out of Oklahoma and Caitlin Crocker out of Southern California. Out of Southern California, rather, out of modern day, uh, that is a uh, that's a great get for Cal. I know Caitlin Crocker has been heavily recruited for the past few years. Cal already with one uh, recruit lockdown for 2020, but really uh, Lauren Fields and Caitlin Crocker both five nine, I believe. They're not looking. They're they're not the big presence that Cal needs. And in essence, as far as two years down the road, this Cal team looks like it's it's all guards plus Alasia Styles who's listed as a, as a guard slash forward on the roster. So not the uh, not, not the most balanced, we'll say, for Cal. Uh, of course, Coach Gottlieb not allowed to talk about uh, any really heavy recruiting of individual players who they're, who they're targeting. And women's basketball recruiting not really tracked as, as closely as uh, some other sports like football and men's basketball. But 
we have all that recruiting news for you here on Bear Talk and on the uh, on ninety point seven FM KALX Berkeley. Your only source, your only radio source for Cal women's basketball, and your best source for all things Cal sports. So. Let's take a deep dive into a, a little bit of stuff that we talked about aside from uh, the past weekend at Arizona. Talked with Coach Gottlieb about the transition to Jim Knowlton as the athletic director. Some news that we have out of the Cal Athletics program, uh, our, our little insider information. We have from a couple of sources confirmed that, and this has been the pretty much the public line for Cal Athletics uh, as far as this comprehensive, comprehensive report that's supposed to come out in March or April that's assessing the state of Cal Athletics. There, there was a, a, a preliminary report that was, came out just a, about a week before Jim Knowlton was hired as, a, as athletic director in April of 2018 that was by a third party, CSA, uh, Collegiate Sports Associates. It was an employee survey recommendations for the program. Uh, kind of an outline for things that other schools have done, have and have not done. That whole report is available online. But uh, there's a couple of changes summed up. First of all, it recommended that no sports be cut. Cal is a 30-varsity sports school. It's the most of any school, any public school in the Pac-12. Uh, and so that, that's really excessive. But they recommended that Cal not cut any sports. Uh, and they also recommended some other things as far as use of the Edwards Stadium area, uh, some kind of more general recommendations and budget recommendations as far as closing the, the budget gap by 2020, which is something that Chancellor Carol Christ has mandated from every department. Last year, or rather fiscal year 17, Calhetics had a $16 million deficit that they just got in cash from the campus at the end of the fiscal year, uh, $16.9 million that they just got in cash from the campus, which of course is not ideal. Projected coming into fiscal year 18, uh, there was a $9 million uh, shortfall, and this was even on top of that new uh, uh, radio media deal from Learfield, which was estimated to fetch an 8 to $10 million. And even with the uh, basically halving of the Memorial Stadium debt from $440 million to uh, $238 million, so 54%. Uh, I'll, I'll check those ballpark numbers, but. Uh, 54% of the Memorial Stadium debt was taken on by the campus itself as compared to the athletics uh, department, which, you know, is really just, you know, you're, you're shuffling around the uh, these poisonous loans. But the debt service alone on that entire $440 million uh, loan was $18 million, which was, of course, if it wasn't for that loan service in fiscal year 17, the athletics department would have come out with a net profit. Uh, so that, that's, uh, something to think about, but ticket sales up by a small amount this year, nowhere near, uh, the year of the level of a couple of years ago for Cal football, but still, uh, that, uh, that projected deficit hovering around eight or $9 million. The fiscal year 18 documents, even though fiscal year 18 wrapped up, uh, about six months ago at this point have not been publicly released yet. Uh, that is something that we're actually working on here at Calix, uh, but we'll, uh, we'll have more news down the line on those. Anyway, uh, so that budget deficit has to go down from $9 million to $0 by 2020, and that's what this new big comprehensive, comprehensive report is supposed to all be about. And that is scheduled to come out sometime in February, between February and and May is is the ballpark estimate. Really uh, not, a, not a ton of information, but we do have confirmed from... 
a couple of different sources within the Cal Athletics Department that indeed they're not going to cut any varsity sports. There was a, a, a failed round of cuts in 2010 to 2011, most notably the Cal baseball program uh, rallied to go on and win the national championship after the program was, was saved, and that was a, a major contributor in that program being saved, making it to the, the college World Series. But uh, that was under David Esker, of course. But the the athletics department, and this is coming from inside the athletics department, are not going to cut any varsity sports. And so that is good news for the Cal athletics program. So Jim Knowlton staying true to his word there, to that uh, public commitment. And at least from inside the athletics department, that is the, the current word that they will not be cutting any of those sports. Of course, Mike, uh, rather Jim Knowlton, uh, when he came in, was talking about doing three months of a, a listening period, which he did. He was talking about doing a lot of focusing on community outreach, coming from Air Force, did a lot of community outreach there. But uh, and to some extent, the the, Ver- the various have seen in all their different uh, sport areas, uh, the effects of that. Some community outreach for football has increased ticket sales. The women's basketball team had a record crowd at the UConn game, although that was probably I think, mostly due to the, the social media efforts as well as uh, the cross-sport advertising. So that's uh, that's something good. But you heard Coach Geiler talking about, you know, it, uh, Jim Knowlton, just his presence energizing everyone on staff. And really, with that preliminary report released last year, that was that was a big uh, big issue was kind of employee morale and employee, as far as inside the Cal Athletic Department, employee views of the athletics department. And so uh, kind of a, a good news there as far as the tenure of Jim Knowlton. So uh, that's good. And with that, let's uh, take a look ahead to the Washington uh, series as it'll be uh, UW coming to town this Sunday, Washington State on Friday, as we'll have both those games for you on 90.7 FM Alex Berkeley tune in app and calyx.berkeley.edu, both great ways to listen to the game. I'll be with you, uh, I believe by myself, this coming Friday morning at 11.30 a.m., 11.25 a.m. Coverage tips off against the Wazoo Cougars. Yeah, it'll be uh, myself with you on Friday, and then on Sunday at 2 p.m., Washington comes to town. You'll hear from Shavit Karen and Sid Nike from Hospital Pavilion. For that ball game, we hope that you will either join us on the air or in person as this coming Friday is the 5th Annual Schoolhouse Haas Game. Uh, a couple of, rather more than a couple, field trips being sponsored from all around the Bay for students. Uh, it was school just coming back in session for the spring or winter term, depending on uh, what the high schools and elementary schools have. Uh, around here in the different school districts, but that's going to be a good turnout. There's a big turnout last year. There's a Pac-12 game as well for the Schoolhouse Haas game. Uh, uh, it is the only day game, or really true day Friday game of, of the season. It's the earliest uh, tip-off of any game this whole year, 11.30 a.m., and that game will not air on the Pac-12 networks. It will only be here on Calix. So once again, we hope you will join us. As we take a look ahead to that Washington State game, we talked with Coach Gottlieb, uh, about those tough, uh, well, their toughness, their great scores. <laughs> we were t- talking about their uh, their international recruiting, and oh boy, Borislava Ristova, the redshirt junior, is from Varna, Bulgaria. They they uh, they have players from Bulgaria, Serbia, 
Portugal, Australia, Israel, and France. And those are their six international players out of 11 as it's Cami Etheridge's, or rather Cami Etheridge's first year as the head coach. Spent some time at Northern Colorado, did not have any crossover, I don't believe, with Lindsey Gottlieb. Uh, but Cami Etheridge, of course, the 1988 gold medalist in women's basketball for the United States. She's uh, She made a mark at uh, Northern Colorado, went 89-53 and 53 as a head coach. In her first season here at Washington State, 6-9, and nine, heard Coach Gottlieb talk about how they played Utah close, played St. Mary's close earlier this year. They beat Nebraska in two overtimes. As Washington State, not really known for their uh, basketball, and you can kind of expect that with the, the kind of region that they're in. Not great recruiting in Pullman, but France, Israel, Australia, Serbia, and Bulgaria add to three players, all from the same high school. They're three, the three Molina players, Sherilyn Molina, Selena Molina, and Chanel Molina. So <laughs> it isn't going to be a mouthful uh, this coming Friday as all three uh, from Kailua, Kona, Hawaii, Molina, Molina, and Molina, uh, freshman, a junior, and a redshirt freshman, uh, all different ages, and two out of the three of them not having played before this year uh, at the varsity level for Washington State. So that's going to be at least entertaining, if nothing else. In fact, the only player, or rather the only two players from the mainland United States are from Wymore, Nebraska, and Rapid City, South Dakota. Alex Swedland, or rather Alexis Swedland, and Michaela Jones. Uh, Jones from Wymore, Nebraska, and Rapid City, South Dakota, the hometown of Alexis Swedland. And so... You know, not great. Not a great uh, amount of homegrown talent in Eastern Washington and uh, Idaho for women's basketball, but definitely a team to contend with in the Pac-12. It's the reason they've been so successful in recruiting. The pronunciation guide alone is, you know, about a quarter of a page long. That's a. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. But Washington State has uh, has not had the greatest amount of success recently. You heard them talking about how well they played Utah. They. Uh, pulled one out over Colorado. They've dropped three of their last four with the exception of that Colorado game. They beat Colorado by 26 points, although it really wasn't that impressive as Colorado was without Kennedy Leonard, who's their star point guard. She's an absolute machine. Uh, Bears will have to visit the Colorado schools uh, this next week after the uh, Washington games. A little bit of a breather for California, although, of course, Coach Gallup not treating it as such, before Cal runs up on the Stanford home-at-home home and then the Oregon game. Uh, but Washington State was just swept earlier this month at the Oregon schools. At the time, ranked number 11 Oregon State, number 5 Oregon. That's uh, kind of a death trap for uh, for any schools visiting the, those, uh, those Oregon State and Oregon teams. The, the duo Oregon State... It hasn't always been the best women's basketball program, but their their fan support in Corvallis is absolutely ridiculous. Same with, same with their baseball program. Their baseball program has been uh, exceptional these past couple of years, but Oregon State's fan base, although a little bit uh, on the older side, is, is definitely one of the most active in the Pac-12. They travel extremely well. Cal traveled well to Arizona, but nothing like what Oregon State, uh, what Oregon State does and, and how well uh, their fans have... 
done this season. But Washington State going to going to Oregon State at the beginning of the month to start Pac-12 play after a win at Washington uh, in a in a an Apple Cup rematch. But they uh, they end up dropping two games to Oregon State, one game to Utah. They beat Colorado by the final of seventy four to forty eight. What is the final score from Boulder? So. Washington State and California, the uh, Cougars have, against California, uh, won in the series not too often in the recent series history. I believe the last time Washington State won at California was three years ago in the 2015-16 season, or rather 16-17 season, I should say. Uh, that was under a different head coach. But uh, a couple of notes about Washington State. The uh, the South Dakota player Alexis Swedland has become the 19th player to score 1,000 points in school history. Borislava Hristova has uh, averaged just over 20 points a game right up there with Christina Nigue. Uh, she... As of last week, was 10th in the nation and 2nd in the Pac-12. 2nd only to Ari McDonald as it went McDonald, and then Hristova, then Christine Nigue. As we go into this week, the leading scorers in the Pac-12 are Ari McDonald, followed by Hristova, once again with 21.9 points per game, and then Christina Nigue, so it is unchanged, the same top three, McDonald, Hristova, and Nigue. Hristova, eighth in the country, Nigue, ninth. Christina Nigue, of course, the leading rebounder in the country, and she is one of the only players in the top ten in rebounding, as well as in the top ten in points per game, which most definitely makes her a contender for National Player of the Year. And, in fact, she is... Uh, the only crossover between those two top ten lists. She's uh, actually Cal is the only school with just Christina Nigue to have uh, players in both the top ten lists for points per game and rebounds per game nationally. Central Michigan with a player in the top ten in points per game and a player in the top ten in rebounds per game, but they are not the same player. The Bears will look to Christina Nigue to. Try to snap out of this skid. You heard Coach Gallup say it's been a while since the Bears have had back-to-back wins. In fact, the Bears have not had back-to-back wins since 2018 when they had back-to-back wins leading in to that UConn matchup. Uh, as well as uh, having Rostova, Washington State has been pretty good at shooting this year. Washington State, uh, 36% uh, three-point percentage, which is good for top 40 in the nation. They're fifth in the Pac-12 in uh, shooting from the floor at 44.7%. That was as of last week. I believe they're now fourth in the conference. The Bears not doing too well in that category, but that's not where the Bears will uh, make their money. They're going to make their money as far as uh, points in the paint go. And hopefully they're going to be able to close out a game against a Washington State team that, although they have a little bit of confidence with uh, two Pac-12 wins under their belt, uh, hopefully they will not uh, be able to pull off what still, I believe, would be an upset over California if women's basketball was any kind of a betting sport. Not sure where you can bet on women's basketball, but I, I certainly won't be doing any of that as I would have lost 
heavily over the past three weeks as far as the Cal Golden Bears team is concerned. Cal currently 10-5. and five. They're looking to go 11-5. and five. They're looking for their second win in Pac-12 conference play. Washington State are 7-9. and nine. They are 2-3 and three in Pac-12 conference play. And uh, a couple of notes as we just wrap up this uh, podcast-only episode of Bear Talk. You can find all the prior episodes of Bear Talk at anchor.fm slash bear talk. That's anchor.fm slash bear talk, as well as on Spotify Podcasts and Apple Podcasts, along with eight other venues for Bear Talk. The uh, uh, the final wrap-up notes we have is uh, uh, of these, these last five losses for this Cowboy women's basketball team, it's been really in just... Incredibly tough games for uh, Cal's opponents. You just look at the records of opponents after they played Cal and take the UConn team as an example. They go and lose their first game in four years in a regular season non-conference to Baylor. Uh, just the game after California uh, played them very close. And the uh, in fact, the combined records in the, in the two games after each team that California has lost to uh, has played. So in UConn's next two games after California, Harvard's next two games, et cetera, the combined record has been one and five. Uh, and so those teams have not been doing too well uh, after California has gotten down to them. We're choosing to believe here uh, at Bear Talk that that's not a product of Cal losing to below average teams, but rather Cal uh, giving those teams a pretty hard time. You can catch... Part of that uh, Lindsey Gottlieb uh, interview that you just heard all of, I guess, uh, on the regularly scheduled edition of Bear Talk, the one that's on the air at 9 p.m. every Wednesday Pacific time. We'll, uh, have, we'll play a couple of uh, excerpts from that interview for you there. But, of course, the whole interview right here, just a, a couple of minutes back in this selfsame podcast, the uh Pre-game for Washington State starts at 11.25 a.m. Pacific Time on 90.7 FM KALX Berkeley. We really hope you'll join us. It's set to be a good game. Great attendance expected for the Schoolhouse Haas game with an emphasis on fire safety is the, the educational focus for this, uh, this coming Friday's game. They're going to have uh, all kinds of fire trucks there. If you have uh, kids and you'd like to come out to a game, this is probably the, the best game to come out to. So. Uh, it's a good a reason as any, I think, to to pull your kid out of school. You know, you can have a sick day. You can call into the office for, uh, you know, if your kid's uh, going on a maybe a college visit. But you know, I think they'll really appreciate it more if if you uh, if you take him out of school to uh, to go to a basketball game. That's that's what I would have preferred in in, in high school at least. And uh, you know what, I I will admit I I'm from uh, I'm from Boulder and and I actually did do that a couple of years ago uh, for a, a CU men's basketball game. I remember that they were hot a couple of years ago. Although didn't have a chance to see them uh, too much as people actually went to their games. That was a that was a good time in, in CU uh, Buffalo's athletics. Anyway, I won't get sidetracked as we as we wrap up. But uh, if there's if there's demand to to hear the all all my hot takes on. The men's uh, buff season this year. That's uh, that's definitely coming down the line. Is the Colorado men's buff uh, uh, men's basketball team is uh, is coming to town? Actually, in just a couple of weeks, we'll have that game for you from Hospitality and right here on Calix as well. So uh, it'll be uh, it'll be a good one. But in any case, fire safety, the educational focus for the fifth annual Schoolhouse Haas game, 11:30 a.m. tip off, 11:25 a.m. Our coverage starts this coming Friday. Then on Sunday, UW comes to town. That 
It's going to be another crucial game for California as the Bears really can't slow down as we head down this stretch of Pac-12 conference play. UW will tip off at 2 p.m. Pacific time. Our pregame coverage starts at 1.55 p.m. this coming Sunday, January 20th. Friday, January 18th will be the next game against Washington State. That just about wraps it up for us here on this podcast-only bonus episode of Bear Talk. We hope, you, hope you've enjoyed the uh, exclusive look at this Cal women's basketball season with head coach Lindsey Gottlieb. Once again, a big thanks to her for sitting down with us and talking a little bit about this past week. It's uh, it's uh, been rough, a rough few weeks for this Cal women's basketball team. But once again, this coming Friday, you'll hear from us next and on Wednesdays at every or on every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Pacific time, regularly scheduled Bear Talk, also available in podcast form at anchor.fm slash Bear Talk. This podcast has been brought to you by 90.7 FM KALX Berkeley, not only your only source for Cal women's basketball, your exclusive source for every Pac-12 conference home game this season, and we hope for the Pac-12 tournament at the beginning of March. More details on that to follow, but... It uh, is hopefully going to be a happy end to this women's basketball season. Until this Friday at 11.25 a.m. Pacific time, my name is Sam Wiseman. Thanks for joining us. We hope you'll join us down the line right here on 90.7 FM KALX Berkeley, your Cal Sports Radio Network. Uh-huh.